Now, let me just do something real quick. I just want to, I always like to take a, the opportunity for teachable moments. Um, look at this room. The past few Wednesday nights, this place was packed. Now, now listen, okay? Listen to me. This is a mistake. Is the air conditioning on? See if that air is on. It's, it's warm up here. Um, so listen, don't, don't make the mistake that so many people do. Now, I know there's still people coming in, and there will be. But what, when you have a series that when you're going to be learning line upon line, precept upon precept, which is the way the Bible tells you're supposed to learn, some people grow weary in their well-doing, and then they don't reap. If there was ever a night when everybody should have been here, it's tonight, because tonight we're wrapping this topic up, but tonight you're going to learn some of the things why people don't receive their healing. And that's extremely important because who usually gets the blame when somebody doesn't get healed? And he's the last person that we should be blaming. And in the season that we're in right now, um, the season of mankind, where there's so much sickness, there's so much emphasis on sickness, so much emphasis on disease and all these other things, there's so many people that are literally losing their minds over fear you and I need to know every little bit we possibly can about the subject of healing, okay? So I'm bringing this up. Not, I'm, not, I'm not wanting to start off on a negative foot. What I'm saying to you is please pray. Please, please pray. I mean, I, I pray. I'm the pastor. I can pray. But, but I need you to pray too. Please pray that people would once again have the hunger to learn what the Word of God says about things because I'll guarantee you there are people that are spending multiple hours researching the internet for this symptom and that symptom and that and this disease and this variant and that thing and the other thing. But if they spent that time researching the word of God, building themselves up in the word, then that would be our immunity. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so the other thing too, if you know somebody that couldn't make it here tonight, uh, that you believe you really, really should have been, if they couldn't make it here tonight, please, when this uh, hits uh, online, which I think is, Jay, when, when does this? No. Next Tuesday? No. Probably by Friday. Yeah. Yeah, I think they get it, they get it online as soon as possible. So, all right, so I don't want to waste any more time. So you're going to pray? All right, let's pray now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Father, we know there's power in your word, Father. There's anointing on your word, Father God. And Lord, we pray for those who couldn't make it here tonight, Father God, that they would have a hunger, that they would have the thirst, that they would have a sense of urgency would hit them, Father God, to get online and get this teaching, Father God. We trust you for this, Lord God. We trust you for protection over all of our households, all of our families. Father, I'm trusting you to give me revelation, illumination in the word tonight that I can be, bring that out to the, this group that is gathered here tonight, Father God. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the teacher. And so we welcome you. We welcome your ability to teach and to reveal to every single one. Lord, I'm confident that you're going to minister to every single person according to their need. And we bless you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. All right, so real quick, I want to review some stuff very quickly. And uh, again, this has been a four-week series. If you, if you hadn't uh, been here for the others, please go online 
and, uh, and uh, listen to the teaching. If you, if you really want to, if you send me an email, I'll send you my notes, and you can go through it on your own, okay? Uh, I would love for somebody to start a little small Bible study with this and just carry this on for healing. Uh, maybe next time we do the connect groups. It's too late to put another connect group in? It depends. <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it. So, so let, let's go through this real quick again because uh, we got to finish this tonight. Okay, we saw when we first started this series that Jesus makes a direct connection between sickness and disease and sin. Now, that does not mean that every time somebody gets sick, it's their personal sin. What he did was he made the connection that when sin came into the world, so did sickness and disease. You remember uh, the, the, the man that was lowered through the roof by his friends? Jesus said, son, your sins. He said first, what did he say first? Your sins are forgiven you. That baffled the religious people. And then he said, well, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and go home. So he equated his sin with sickness and disease or sickness and disease with sin. And the reason, again, think about this. The reason we even emphasize that was the fact that you, as a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, you're, 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 you're a child of God. I, what the Word of God wants us to know is that the devil does not have legal right to put sickness and disease on you anymore. Why? Your sins have been forgiven. So once sin is forgiven, the legal catch there is gone. The legal connection is gone. Uh, Ed, you and your wife, make sure you see me before you leave tonight. Okay. Um, so you got that? So when sickness and disease comes, and we're going to talk about this more later, because tonight we're talking about why people don't get healed. And sometimes the reason why people don't get healed is they have the wrong teaching, and they listen to the wrong voice. Amen? Okay, good. I don't want to get ahead of myself, because I want to go through this. All right. So uh, we saw how Jesus' ministry was made up of what? You know better than that. Come on, one, two, three, let's go. Preaching, teaching, healing. You got it? One more time. Preaching, teaching, healing. Why do we do this? Okay, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, okay? So we studied that last week about the various ways that we can not only receive healing but administer healing. And I, I want, listen to me, folks, please look at me. I want you to understand what, why we're emphasizing Emphasize for yourself, focus on administering healing, okay? Focus on administering healing. Why? Because that is now the new method. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but the quickest way to open up the door to minister to somebody's salvation is to minister healing. Amen. It's just like it was back when Jesus was on the earth, okay? Most of the time when he encountered people, what did he do? Heal them. Then they put their faith in him. Then they trusted him. And then eventually, after he went to the cross, rose from the dead, then they were able to get born again. Yes or no? So in this day right now, when so many people, so many people are freaking out over sickness and disease, over the possibility, over symptoms, over test results, all this other kind of stuff, what better way than to say, listen, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I'm telling you, people are way more open now than they've ever been, especially when it comes to this. Because they figure there's so much confusion out there. There's so many doctors that they don't even know what the heck they're saying themselves. And please, if you're a doctor, I'm not... Okay, there's just so much confusion out there. 
most people would think, what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? So understand that why we've been studying this and why I've been teaching this is to give the church, give us a fresh urgency. Because you see, the devil's been lying to the church for years and years and years saying people don't want to hear about Jesus. People don't care about salvation. That's not true. When we believe that, that stops us from ministering to people. But now, this is a new door, a new opportunity. This is a new, it's not new, it's, it's, it's back on the scene again. Amen. This emphasis, okay? You, you got where I'm, what I'm saying here? Okay, because let, let me just give you a hint here, okay? When I was in Bible school, um, Brother Kenneth Hagin would describe to us what it was like back in the 40s and 50s when what we call now the healing revival hit, and not only in the United States and South America and Europe, he said it was the easiest thing in the world to get people healed. He said it was like, like healing was like electricity in the air. And massive, massive amounts of people would receive their healings, but they would also, once they received their healing, they'd come right into salvation, get born again, and, and they saw tremendous amounts of people come into the kingdom, okay? And that's what we need to do now more than ever, right? Are you guys getting this? We, we, we can stop, stop being self-centered. Stop being, it's all about me. It's all about them. It's all about the outside now. It's all about everybody outside. We've got to get as many in as possible. Why? Jesus is coming soon. Are you listening? I hope you believe that with all your heart because he's coming for those who are expecting him. So we talked about how we can administer healing or how we can receive healing. Laying on of hands, obviously, is the most common one. Speaking the word over sickness. Receiving by faith. I don't have time to go into all of them. Anointing with oil and then anointed prayer cloths. I tried to put them in the, in the order of what's the most common. And the most common uh, is the laying on of hands, okay? So let's wrap this up now tonight. Um, we're talking about hindrances, hindrances to people receiving healing. This, this topic has turned more Christians away from following God than I don't know whatever else. How many of you, might be you, but you probably know somebody who stopped following God, stopped going to church, stopped reading the word. Why? Well, I was believing God for my husband, for my wife, for my child, for my grandmother, for my uncle, and they died. You can't let that stop you. Remember, when I very first introduced this topic, I talked about how you cannot measure the word of God by your personal experience. Because we all know people who we prayed for and they didn't make it. Okay, but that doesn't change what the word says. Isaiah 53 didn't change. Matthew chapter 8 didn't change. Psalm 103 didn't change. It still reads the same. He's still the one who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, okay? So, so, so put that out of your head. But tonight we're gonna talk about some of the things that we can hone in on and, and find out. But listen, you can't get yourself so crazy. I mean, I, I have people in my life till this day lost individuals decades ago and still can't get over it, all right? But listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all of the word of his law. What's it saying? There's some things you're just not going to know while we're here on earth. 
Be satisfied. The, the secret things belong to the Lord. Okay? Now, um, I, I, the best illustration I give you is the story that Brother Hagen told us about his own sister. He had a sister. She developed cancer. He went to the Lord, prayed. She got healed. Five years later, however, the cancer came back, and that took her to heaven. So one of the times when Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen, he said, after they got done talking, and after, after the Lord showed him something, was teaching some things to him, he said, the Lord, he said, in fact, he, I remember him saying, he said, Jesus had turned, away, turned around and started walking away. And he said, Lord, before you go, can I ask you a question? He said, of course. He said, what happened with my sister? And he, this is what Jesus said to him. Did you not read in my word that the secret things belong unto the Lord? He said, whatever happened with your sister is between her and I, and let it stay that way. I don't want you ever again to touch that subject in your mind or to speak of it. We don't know what goes on in people's lives, but we know this. God does, and we should be satisfied with that. All right? So, because I know there's, there's some people that they just, it just keeps going and keeps going. Why, why, why? Let it go. Let it go, okay? So there's no possible way for us to answer with 100% certainty because we don't know what's in a person's heart. The only time we can answer that correctly is when we hear from the person who is sick. I've had the situation happen, oh, probably 15 years ago. Uh, Joe um, and Eleanor. Hassett, Joe Hassett, okay? The gentleman was in his 70s already, mid-70s. Um, he had gotten a diagnosis of cancer on, on his neck, on his shoulder and his neck, yeah. And we were ministering to him, meeting him, going to his house, ministering to him. And uh, one Sunday, we, at that time, this is years ago, we were having a meeting at the high school. In fact, we were in the cafeteria. Uh, you might remember, Okay. And uh, most unlikely play. Who, who thinks that God could, hand, could heal somebody in a cafeteria? I'm like, that day when they told us we had to meet in the cafeteria, I'm like, this is a waste. We're not going to get nothing done today. That day, the Spirit of God moved during worship. Uh, the healing anointing that showed up. He came up. I didn't even get within three feet of him. As I put my hand, bam, he falls out in the Spirit, goes back to the doctor, can't find any cancer there. Six months later, six months later, he goes to the doctor, and now it's in his lungs. Okay? I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know. I don't know. So I remember sitting down with him, and he goes, Pastor, I don't think I want to fight this time. I'm tired. I've lived a good life. I think I'm just going to go home and be with the Lord. I said, you don't have to go home sick. You can let the Lord heal you, and then if you want to go home, the Lord could take you home. But he just, it's not that he gave up. He made the decision. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And it was one of the most glorious things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, there were times that he was in pain, but there were times I would go to his house, we'd start praying, start praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, you just feel the anointing come in there. You feel the presence of the Holy Spirit come in there. He'd go from being in pain to sitting up and prophesying. I never saw anything like it. He, pro he would prophesy with his church, prophesy with my children. Just and you knew it was God. And then the anointing would lift, and he'd go right back into that uh, you know, pain and stuff like this. And then uh, the day before he passed away, okay, it was on a Thursday. He went there on a Thursday about 1 o'clock. 
by this point, he, he's not talking much. His, his wife was there in the room. You know, and and I'm, I'm walking around and praying in his room. He's in bed. And I hear this on the inside. And I take it for what it's worth, but it happened three different occasions uh, in this ministry. Okay? I heard on the inside, um, if you'll release him, I'll take him home. And it stunned me. That was the very first time I'd ever heard anything like that. I'm like, well, this is me. This has got to be my own head. And I said, um, Lord, is that, I don't understand that. He said, well, he's been your sheep. I put him in your care. I can't take, this is the thing that, I can't take him until you release him. If you release him, I'll take him home. So I grabbed his wife on the side and I said, um, Eleanor, this is what I'm hearing from the Lord. And she said, well, let's, let's, let's just do it. So I went in there. She, she insisted that we prop him up in bed and, and he did and, uh, Again, he came, even though he couldn't talk, he came out of it, put his hand on me, started prophesying over me. Goes back in bed, and I said, this is what the Lord showed me. And I prayed. It was 1 o'clock Thursday, 1 o'clock Friday, 24 hours later, he goes home with the Lord. Now, you say, well, you know, he went home, he didn't get healed. But God honored his will. You don't know sometimes. I love when people come and say, I don't understand, Pastor. I prayed for my grandmother, she died. Well, how old was she? 104. She made it to 104. Lay hands on me. You see what I'm saying? We don't know what goes on between people and God. We don't know what goes on. We don't know. Sometimes I'm sure there are some people that don't receive their healing, and I, I got to get back to my notes. Don't receive their healing because of guilt and condemnation. That's one of the things. It's you know, you feel, I don't deserve this. I don't do, or people, if you've had a really bad history in your life, sometimes the devil will come and convince you, well, you know, you can't expect God to heal you now because look what you did in your life. Right. Wrong. wrong, exactly wrong. But we do lose people that way. You listening? Yeah. Uh, I can go into a bunch of those things. But that, hap that happened two other times where the Lord told me, if we release this person, uh, Lynn, you remember it happened with, with Linda. With Linda. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, whatever. All right, so a person, like I said before, doesn't have to get sick to die, okay? Because Psalm 91 tells us, verse 16, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So let's talk about some of these other hindrances. Now, number one, I believe the number one hindrance to somebody not receiving their healing is ignorance of the word of God. Most of us, as much as we don't want to admit it, many of us go into default into some teaching that we heard or default into our own, our own, well, this is what I believe. That are the most dangerous words you can hear somebody say. Well, this is what I believe. Well, honey, if you, what you're believing is based on the word, that's great. But if you came up with your own philosophy, it's probably not going to work, okay? Because the word of God has the power of God. Not your experience, not your tradition, not your whatever you've come up with in your own belief system. Is this making sense to anybody tonight? Because I feel like you guys are looking at me like, does it make sense? You can't go by what you believe unless what you believe is based on the word of God because faith comes from the word of God. Faith doesn't come from what you believe. There's no power in anybody's philosophy that is different than the word of God. Are you getting this? I hope so. Okay. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, the first part of that verse, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Um, 
I have a, a verse here, but I don't have the scripture with it. Second Peter chapter one. Can you go to that, Jay? I'll, I'll keep going, and we'll go back to that. Second Peter chapter one, verse two and three. Now uh, understand that the, God's will is revealed in His Word. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's God's will for, for, for me to be healed. Well, it's very easy to go find it. Go find out what the Word says about it. Go find out what the Word says about it. Well, I don't know if it's God's will for me to prosper. Well, go find out what the Word says. I don't know if it's God's will for me to have a great job, marry somebody fantastic, uh, have a nice house. Well, go find out what the Word says. So many of us get into our own heads. We try to come up with our own philosophy. Well, maybe it's like this. No, 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 no. When you're fighting for your life, you can't afford maybes, and you can't afford, well, this is the way I see it. Okay? Are you, are you here with me tonight? Okay. Listen, don't fall into this trap that because you might not be dealing with anything physically right now, that you think, well, this is good, it's great, but I don't. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what's coming next week. Please. You need to get this in you now. Again, like I keep saying, you don't wait to call the alarm company to install an alarm in the house when somebody's busting through the front door. You got to get equipped now because most likely at some point in life, you're going to have the opportunity to have to deal with some type of a challenge physically. Okay? All right? Did you, did you get that? Here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, next verse, as his divine power has given us, look at this, look at this, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How, again, how is this all things that pertain to life and godliness? How do we possess them? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. It's in the word. It's in the word. It's in the word. Are you understanding? This is life and death. It's in the word. Okay? It's got, you've got to get it in you. You can't just, because, you, you know, most of you probably have a half a dozen Bibles in your house. It's not how many Bibles you have in your house. It's how much you have in you. And how much is going to come out of here when you need it. Are you listening? Okay. You, you need this, okay? All right. So, how do we know the will of God? 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Go, go, what is that? Start and go before that. Go to the verse before that. What happened? Go to 13. No, something's not right there. All right, let me read it to you from my notes. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. In my Bible. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked him. Okay? Many years ago, there was a teaching that was going around, and I, I, as soon as I heard it, I knew it wasn't right, um, uh, uh, regarding soulish prayers, soulish prayers. Anybody heard that teaching? Good. I won't go into it then. <laughs> Basically, what we're saying is this. If somebody prays the wrong kind of prayer over you, it can affect your life. No, it can't. Because this says here, this is a confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
So if somebody's praying something that's not according to his will, how's it going to affect you? You see what I'm saying? Get, get rid of it, because I, I know of people that have shipwrecked their lives blaming somebody else's prayers. You're talking about the ultimate victim mentality. Okay? So this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we know that we have the request that's been made. So how do we know God's will? By reading his word. When we read his word and you pray according to his word, you are praying in divine alignment with his will. Okay? Well, what about, what about if I pray in the spirit? It's even better yet because you're praying. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 14, we're praying divine mysteries. Okay? You, you, when you don't know how to pray, pray in the spirit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please be 100% transparent. Let me see your hands if you don't know what I'm talking about praying in the spirit. No, no, oh, everybody prays in tongues in here. Everybody prays in tongues in here. Okay, if you don't, listen to because I, I want to teach on this. Okay, so I need to know how many people I need to, let me see your hands. Be honest, because the Holy Ghost is going to show me. <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing, if you don't, if you haven't received that gift yet, let me see your hands. All right, good, good. Then I'll, I'll teach on this in, a, in about a month from now. Okay, again, when you're fighting for your life, you better make sure that you have all that you need. Now, um, lack of biblical knowledge will always result in a lack of clarity. Again, we just spent four weeks determining that it is God's will for us to be healed, right? We could go through scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. Okay, you need to know that, all right? Um, it's impossible for a person to develop faith without either having seen or heard what God says about healing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Yes or no? Yes. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to move fast now. Verse 25. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years, you guys know this story, had endured much at the hands of many physicians, had spent all that she had and was not helped, and instead she became worse. Verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she had been saying, 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 if I could just touch his garments, I will get well. So how did she get to the point of saying, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be made well? She heard. She heard. Oh, you guys are good. She what? She heard. She heard, and obviously she what? Believed, and therefore she spoke. But then she took action. You got that, right? So how do you think the best way you're going to get healed? You're going to hear, you're going to believe, and you're going to speak and take action. Oh, my gosh. You guys just blessed me. All right. So she spoke. She, she acted on what she heard. Number two, second reason. So first reason why most people don't receive their healing, they don't even have a clue that God wants to heal them. They don't even have a clue that God wants to heal them. And especially if you come from a denominational background. I came out of a denominational background. I came out of a Roman Catholic denomination. Who ever heard about healing? We never heard about healing. And if we did, they would, tell, they would well, go pray to this saint, go pray to that saint, go have 10 novenas, 17 rosaries, 150 candles. You understand what I'm saying? Not, 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 listen, I'm not mocking anybody, but that's all we knew then. The first time I heard 
about Isaiah 53, that by his stripes I was healed. I was blown out of the What? 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 Because I know Jesus died on the cross, but nobody ever told me he not only took my sin, but he also took all of my sickness and disease. So how could I possibly ever access healing if I never heard? And thank God, when I got born again, I got born again in a church that taught the word. Okay? I thought every Christian was, I thought everybody that got born again, got born again, knew who Kenneth Hagin was, and knew about healing. I didn't know any better. Understand what I'm saying? But before that, there's some of you who've been sitting here in this series and hearing it for the first time. God wants to heal. Yeah. God wants to heal us. You understand that God hates the devil? And God hates everything that the devil produced and brought into the human experience. You and I were never supposed to get sick. We were never supposed to die. We are never supposed to be poor, never supposed to be depressed, never supposed to be oppressed. It was not part of the original plan. Are you get, no, listen to me. If you don't get that inside, you'll start tolerating stuff that you're not created to tolerate. Number two is unbelief. It's unbelief is not the same as ignorance. Ignorance is you don't know any better. Unbelief is you've heard the teaching and you went, nah, I don't believe that. Which one do you think is worse? Unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not, will not be in any, of, any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another every day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The Holy Spirit calls doubt and unbelief an evil thing. Why? Because you've heard the word. You've heard. I'm, I guarantee there were many people in Israel that were just as sick as that woman with the issue of blood and heard, but they went, nah, nah. I don't believe that. It can't be. And they didn't receive their healing. So it also tells us to harbor unbelief is sin. Romans 14, 23 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. To do anything without faith in God is considered sin. Now, what does Paul mean by saying whatever's not a faith is sin? He means that we must go to God's word, learn his will, live according to his will. Thus, we live by faith. And we must be confident that everything we do is according to God's will. So he said, he that doubts is condemned. You can't doubt this stuff. You've got to jump in. Well, let's see if it worked. No, honey, uh, there's many times when we've had altar calls for people to say, look, if you're coming up here to see if it's going to work, go sit down. You're already setting yourself up for failure. It's about faith. Why do you think it's such a big deal? Why do you think faith is such a big deal? Well, let me ask you a question. Would you like somebody in your life that didn't trust you? What would you think about somebody that didn't trust you? You wouldn't think very much of them, would you? Would you want them around? Would you, want them to, would you be willing for them to receive it? Of course not. Faith is extremely important to God. It tells us, number one, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why is that? What was the very first act of man that brought us in the position that we're in? Adam and Eve disconnected their faith from God and connected it to the devil. You don't think that was an insult? You don't think that was an act of dishonor, of disrespect? That's all he's been wanting from us all these centuries is for his people to have faith and trust in him. 
Jesus would say to people, he came to him, do you believe that I can do this? Why do you think he was asking that question? Do you believe I can do this? And do you, you imagine how much it must have blessed him when he said, especially with that woman with the issue of blood, daughter, your faith has healed you. Don't discount what faith is. Well, I'm just waiting for a miracle. The majority of people that get healed do not get healed from a miracle aside from them using their faith, trusting God, speaking the word, and doing what God says. Okay? You look at even in Jesus' ministry, three and a half years, how many times were there miraculous healings that we have recorded? Very few in comparison to the amount of time. Yet most Christians are waiting for just something to fall out of heaven that's going to come and just going to, well, and, and this is, uh, I'm telling you, there's some people I wanted to put on the gravestone. This is what I've heard over the years. I know someday God's going to heal me. Call the funeral home. Call the funeral home. Because if your healing is in the future, you're dying. You're, you're gone. Your healing is in the past, just like your salvation is in the past. Who would say, I know someday God's going to save me? No, God saved you at the cross 2,000 years ago. Yes or no? Yes. Are you getting this? Because most Christians, they're going to die with that on their lips. I know someday God's going to heal me. Yet the scripture says, and by his stripes we were healed. Are you getting this? Okay. All right, so what else do we want to do here? Let's see. God speaking of the Israelites in Hebrews, who constantly refused to believe God, revealed this to the church in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard, the Israelites, did not profit them. Why? Look at, look at, why did it not profit them? Because it was not, what? United, or some translations say mixed, because it was not mixed with faith. I'm hearing the word, Pastor. I'm listening to, I'm listening to scriptures day and night, Pastor. I'm reading, the, I'm reading scriptures constantly. It's fine, but are you mixing it with faith? Are you mixing it with faith? Are you, you just hearing it? This is like, like many years ago, there were some Christians who believed if you said, if you said it a, a, enough, if you just kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it. Kept, no, this isn't a magic incantation. It's no magic wand. You hear the word, you believe the word, you accept the word for truth, and you move on in life. You can, re, you can memorize the entire Bible, but if you don't mix it with faith. I remember one time my cousin Tom and I went to talk to uh, a priest. We were asking permission to do so. How many remember? No, you weren't here. Some of you remember years and years and years ago, we did a big outreach in Seaside Heights when MTV was there. Okay? You remember, Kyle. Okay? Justin, were you around then? Yeah. Um, and so we asked the priest. We went to meet with the priest to see if we could use the facility there, the Catholic Church here in Seaside Heights. Now, I kept saying to the man, do you do understand, Father, what we want to come and do? Yeah, 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 you want to be here for the kids. No, 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 Father, I, I, I need you to know exactly what we're here for because I cannot afford, I'm, I'm putting $10,000 into this budget. I cannot afford you pulling the rug out from underneath us because you didn't know what we were doing. 
well, what do you mean? I said, we're coming here to preach salvation to these young people. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, went, I looked at him, and I went, oh, this guy's not getting it. <laughs> now, yeah, I'm not mocking anybody. I'm just using this as an illustration, please. Okay, I'm not mocking anybody, please. So I said to him, Father, can I ask you a question? Now, mind you, I'm raised Catholic. Catholic school, a whole bit, okay? Died in the wool. Italian Roman Catholic. That's like the equivalent of an Irish Roman Catholic. Okay. So I said, Father, can I ask you this question? Today, Catholic doctrine, how does a person go to heaven? Broke our hearts. It was literally, how long after the towers, 911? A couple of months? That happened in September. It was the following spring. It was the following spring. And he said this to me. Well, my son, Catholic teaching today is that anyone who has a good conscience towards God goes to heaven. And I went, oh, my God. I said, so, Father, excuse me, with all due respect, so you're telling me that the people that flew their planes into the towers, they're in heaven? Because they, in their minds, had a good conscience towards their God. Well, no, of course not. So I realized he doesn't know about salvation. And I said, no, you need to know what we're preaching here. Because again, I can't dedicate this kind of money and then you, a week later, tell us we can't use your property anymore. But listen to me. So here's a person that has been studying the scriptures but never mixed it with what? And so some of us, and I'll, I'm just going to go with this, okay? Some of us, we hear this, we hear some people say, of course, nobody in here maybe would say this, but you don't understand. I pray every day, Pastor, for Jesus to save me. Okay, honey, you don't have salvation. You don't know salvation then. Because you shouldn't need to pray it every single day. If it was mixed with faith, he saved you. He loves you. He went to the cross for you. He suffered a horrible death for you. All he's wanting you to do is to say, yes, I put my faith in you. You hear what I'm saying? I'm talking to somebody tonight. I'm talking to somebody tonight. If that's you, please, before you leave tonight, come up here and we'll pray with you. Okay, before we leave, all right? Where did the time go? My Lord Jesus. All right, so we got ignorance of the word. Uh, Unbelief, when a, person, when a person has heard the scriptures but hasn't applied any faith to it. Okay, number three is unforgiveness. Now listen, listen, I'm, I'm gonna go over this real quickly. Unforgiveness does not mean that God is withholding the healing from you. Unforgiveness means you're not putting yourself in a position to receive the healing. You getting this? Okay. Uh, let's see, where do I wanna go? Yeah, unforgiveness is like choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell with bitterness and serving time for somebody else's crime. Good. Mark chapter 11. Okay. Um, most of, many of us are probably very familiar with this. So let me go through it real quick. Verse 22. So Jesus answered, talking to the disciples, and said to them, Have faith in God, for as surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, there's the unbelief thing, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, 
Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, real quick, and then we'll go into the unforgiveness part. Look, when are you supposed to be doing the believing? And whenever you stand for, no, 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 go back, go back. I don't want to go there yet. Uh, go back another verse. Doesn't that, but believes those things that he has will be done. He will have whatever he says. Next verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. When are you supposed to do the believing? Most people pray and then say, I hope so. I hope so. I've had that happen so many times. I can't tell you how many times. Laying hands on somebody, the power of God's there, you can sense the Holy Spirit's presence. Get done praying, and they go, I hope so. And the Sicilian part of me wants to go. <laughs> Do your believing first. Then when you declare what you claim you believe, you are speaking it in line with what your heart is telling you. Amen. Are you getting this? Yes. Then you shall have whatsoever Amen. you say. Amen. Okay, you got that. All right, so let's go to the next verse, 25. Now watch this now. Right, if, you, if you go study this for yourself, you see that every time Jesus taught about prayer, he teaches about unforgiveness. He connects it. Why? Because that'll block your prayers. You getting this? And whenever you stand praying... If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I, I think it's self-explanatory. Okay, unforgiveness is not a good thing. Okay, you remember that story in Matthew chapter 18? Of course you do. The servant go, owes his master millions of dollars. The master forgives him. What does he do? He goes out and catches a servant, a fellow servant, who owes him a couple hundred bucks, and he throws him in jail. When the master finds out how this servant treated his fellow servant, what happens to him? He's thrown in jail, and he's handed over to the tormentors. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. So can we settle the fact that if you're believing God for your healing and you're trusting God for the manifestation of your healing, that we better make sure we don't have any unforgiveness in our life? Are you listening to me? Okay. Unforgiveness will block everything. Unforgiveness just freezes everything up in your heart. Uh, are you getting this? I, I, I know we're saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but if you're holding anybody in unforgiveness, please, please let it go. Let them go. But you don't know what they did. No, I don't know. And honestly, I don't want to know. But God knows. Please. If you're, if you're the type of person that holds on to offense, you better change. Because offense is bad. And honestly, offense and unforgiveness always are connected to each other. And let me tell you something. As a pastor, no matter how many times you teach on offense and everybody go, Pastor, yeah, <laughs> hallelujah. They'll walk out of here. Somebody will say something wrong to them. And guess what? They get offended. I've never seen anything like it in 24 years. No matter how much you teach on offense, people will still take the opportunity. And what did Jesus say? Take no offense. All right, so you got that one? So ignorance of the word, unbelief, unforgiveness, offense, which I just talked about. Okay, so that ties into that. 
Jesus goes to the synagogue, Mark chapter 6. They get offended in him. And he says that there he could do no mighty works except he could lay hands on a few sick people. Next one, pride, 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 okay? Pride. But, but how, what, how is that connected, Pastor? Because God resists the... Come on, guys. God resists the... But he gives grace to the... Is healing not grace? Absolutely. Now, mind you again, okay? These things, it's not God withholding. It's you taking yourself out of position to receive it. There is a stance, there is a position that you and I have to put ourselves in to receive, okay? They that wait upon the Lord, what happens, they shall renew their strength. You position yourself, okay? And it, it's that, that thing there in Isaiah, is that wait is not, I'm waiting. No, wait is, I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm waiting on, what do you need me to do? What would you have me to do? I'm here at your disposal. It's that kind of a position. Are you getting this? Okay, good. All right, uh, let's see. How many remember the story of Naaman? Naaman, Old Testament Naaman. Naaman is not a Jew. He's an Assyrian. He gets leprosy. He's got a, a servant that works in his house that he captured when he raided Israel. She says to him, I wish you could go to Israel. There's a prophet in Israel. He would take care of this in a minute. He's desperate. He doesn't want to die. He goes to the king, his king, and king, says, is it okay for me to go to Israel? They tell me this young girl told me there's this prophet in Israel that if I go there, I'll be healed. The king says, go right ahead. In fact, the king sends a letter to the king of Israel, which caused another controversy. And uh, he said, go ahead, go. So Naaman arrives. He gets to the prophet's house, the prophet Elisha, okay? Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. Now, he's, he's the commander of the Assyrian army, head guy, gets to the prophet's house, and he's outside, Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. He's like, I'm watching Jeopardy. <laughs> he sends a servant out, and the servant says to him, go to the Jordan and wash yourself seven times, and you'll be healed. Naaman gets furious. He says, what, what? I got, there's cleaner rivers where I come from back home. The Jordan River is like a sewer. He said, I'm not doing this. And one, thank God, thank God, Thank God that's, that God puts people in our life that can speak to us when we're losing it. His servant says to him, my master, actually he said, my father, if the prophet had said for you to do some grand thing, wouldn't you have done it? Just do what he says. Just do what he says. And he agrees. And he goes and washes himself and gets healed. But, but watch this now. It, at first... His pride would not allow him. You imagine what the guy felt like that Jesus spit in his eye? Sometimes, listen, not sometimes, every time. You and I, if you don't learn anything else tonight, learn this, please. You and I receive nothing from God unless we become vulnerable. You catching this? You and I receive nothing from God unless we become vulnerable. And he almost never does it the way we think he's going to do it. Okay, so this is the one I want to spend the rest of the time on now. Number five, wrong teaching. Wrong teaching. Well, uh, Pastor, I, I believe, this is, the, this is the other deadly one. I believe that God put this on me because he wants to teach me something. Are you that dense that he has to go to that extreme to teach you something? 
you have a Bible. You've got multiple Bibles. You've got your computer with about 17 million translations on it. Why would God need to use that kind? So in other words, what you're saying is that the devil is on God's payroll and he sends the devil with sickness and disease and puts it on you. No, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that, okay? Uh, I don't know that I need to spend that much time on it. He doesn't put sickness and disease on us. Here's another one. God's punishing me. Now, now this one here, we would not be stupid enough to say this, but many people entertain that thought in their heart, this happened to me because God's punishing me. If that fact is true, then Jesus should go to the Father and say, why did I have to suffer? If you then are taking that sin and putting it back on that person, it's not happening. God took all the punishment that you and I deserved and he put it on who? On Jesus. Settle that. Settle that. Once and for all. Okay, you got that? All right. You're the spokesperson, I guess. God wants to humble me. That's why he put the sickness on me. No, no, no. God tells us to humble ourselves. James 4.10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. You got that one? All right. Here's the one I want to get to. Now, this was being taught a lot when I first got born again. And then every few years, about every 10 years, you see it pop up again. The thorn in the flesh. How many know what I'm referring to? Let me see your hands. How many know what I'm referring to? The thorn in the flesh. Okay. Okay, that has, that has snared more people. That horrible demonic doctrine has snared more people and stopped them from receiving their healing because of a complete misunderstanding of the scriptures. Before I even get into this, I want you to know something. The Bible always interprets itself. Okay, the Bible always interprets. The Bible does not need a person to come and interpret it. If you will study it, it will interpret itself. Okay. Now, mind you, all right, the Apostle Paul is the main character in this part. Do you honestly understand that the Apostle Paul at that time was probably the Bible scholar in the world? Here's a man who knew what we call the Old Testament backwards and forwards in probably at least three different languages. He knows what he's talking about. Can we settle that? Yes. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless, this is, this is Paul writing, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn and the flesh was given to me, and he tells us what it is, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Well, Pastor, now this is another one. Here's another snare. Here's another trap of the devil with human reasoning. Pastor, you don't understand. I have a special gift in my life. So I get attacked different than most people do. What do you hear in that? Man, you're sharp tonight. What do you hear? You hear pride. You hear a self-exalting. You hear this, no, I'm special. We don't understand. I'm not like a common Christian. I have a special gift, so I get attacked differently. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that garbage. Okay? And what is that doing? That's the devil using the person's ego to get them snared to hold on to a disease that God never meant for them to hold on to. 
Listening? So here we go. Messenger of Satan to buffet, to buffet, to bu- lest I be exalted above measure. Now people say, well, you see, so that Paul wouldn't get full of pride, God assigned this thing. No, it's got nothing to do with pride. It has all to do with Paul receiving revelation knowledge. This is the same Paul who wrote to the church at Ephesus that may God grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, the eyes of your understanding me enlightened, that you would know but the hope of his calling. The very man who prayed for the church to receive revelation, you're telling me that God didn't want him to have revelation? Of course not. So the devil came to what? Come on, guys. We only got a few minutes left. Come on. The messenger was sent to do what? Buffet. 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 Hold them back. Create obstacles. Create distractions. Are you getting this? Yeah. Next verse. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Well, wait a second. This can't be a physical disease because Jesus already told the church, by his stripes, we were healed. You getting this? Good. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, Jesus is saying, my strength is made perfect in. And because some translations use the word infirmity. You see what I'm talking about? Next verse. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my, here it comes, infirmities, but it's the word for weakness. He's saying, when I'm ignorant about something, when I'm incapable, when I'm, it's, he's not saying it's because I'm sick. He said, rather, I would rather boast in my weaknesses, my deficiencies, my insecurities, my lack of ability, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why? Because when we're weak, he's strong. You got it? Is that the last verse? No. Therefore, I take pleasure in my, I'm going to use the, the real word, in, uh, weaknesses, and re, look it. He weaknesses, reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. He never mentions sickness. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, that I am strong. Is that it? Okay. So okay. Well, how are we gonna how are we gonna get this how are we gonna get this right? How are we gonna get this correct? You remember I said the Bible always interprets itself. You remember I said the Bible always interprets itself. So then we should have an expectation that the answer to that question is someplace in the Bible, yes? Yes. Okay. You ready? Yes. Paul knows the Old Testament, doesn't he? Yes. Backwards, forwards, a couple different languages, yes? Yes. Okay. Look at this. Numbers chapter 33, verse 55. This is about the Israelites. They've left Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. And God had said to them, You've got to defeat and drive out all of these other tribes. That is your commission. That is your mandate. And he said to them, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes. What translation is that? Shall be irritants in your eyes. And what? Say it with me. Say it again. And they shall what? In the land where you dwell. What did, what did Paul say? The reason that Satan sent a, a, a messenger of Satan was sent to him? For what reason? To what? <laughs> to harass him, to buffet him, to stop him, 
to wear them down. You see what I'm saying? Look at this now. Look at Joshua chapter 23, verse 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you. Keep going. And scourges on your sides and what? Thorns in your eyes. Who is he talking about? Is he talking about sickness here? What's he talking about? He's talking about those nations that were ungodly, that worshiped demons, that were incredibly sexually immoral, and God said, you got to get them out. You got, so he's talking about people, right? Yes. Come on, guys. He's talking about yes. people, yes? Okay. But now Paul gets the revelation, and he writes to us in the book of Ephesians, for we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. What's he saying? Okay. He made the connection that as those enemies of Israel harassed, buffeted, attacked them, tried to tempt them and lure them into all kinds of sin and all kinds of garbage, he realized the same thing was happening to him. When, Pastor? Go read the book of Acts. Every time Paul went to a city, what happens? Revival breaks out. The whole city, the whole village gets born again. Next, a week later, what happens? They all turn on him. At one point, they stone him to death and throw him outside the city. The disciples, his disciples... His followers come out. They gather around him. He gets raised from the dead. What does he do? Goes right back in the same city. Why? Because he realized, I am not going to let these thorns in the flesh, these messengers of Satan who would come in, these, these religious spirits that would come in, stir up the people in the city against Paul, against Jesus, and it happened every place he went. And Jesus said to him, don't you dare stop what you're doing. I'm with you. My grace is sufficient for you. No place does it ever make a connection about a sickness or a disease. It is always an enemy of the gospel, always an enemy of God. Now, again, put this in the right perspective. We're not talking about now that people are our problem. It is the spirits behind the individual that are our problem. You got this? Do not let the devil, when the sickness comes or something, especially, especially if it's a chronic thing, especially if it's something that keeps reoccurring and reoccurring, it'd be very easy for the devil to slip in your ear and go, you're just like Paul because you're special. And you have, you have a thorn in the flesh. This was given to you so that you wouldn't get prideful. You can't let go of this. This is God's will for you to have this thorn in the flesh, just like Paul. Because there are people, and I've heard people teach this in the 37 years that I've been saved. Paul would go and preach, and pus would come out of his eyes. And they would name this Mediterranean disease that people had back then. But he would still keep preaching for the glory of God. None of it was true. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him every place he went to preach. I'll be honest with you. If I came here every service time, whether it's Wednesday night, whether it's Saturday night, whether it's Sunday, and I kept getting attacked, I have to fight that one too. Wouldn't you? If every place you went, turmoil broke out. If every place you went, people were first your friends and then they turn on you, wouldn't you at one point get tired and go, I don't need this aggravation? That's what Paul was dealing with. Don't let the enemy ever snare you or trap you defeat you with wrong 
teaching. God does not put sickness on us to teach us anything. God does not put sickness on us to punish us. God is not trying to teach us anything along those lines. God, God is not the author of sickness and disease. Amen. It was never part of his plan. Are you getting this? Yes. Now, good. Now, so when you, if God forbid, you find yourself in a place where you're fighting sickness and disease, what are you going to do? You're going to start believing God. You're going to go start studying the word. You're going to start seeing what, the, what God says about it. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, we know Exodus chapter 15 tells us he is the God who heals us. Healeth, healeth continuously. Okay, you're going to get yourself built up. You've got to do that teaching on the, Brian, remind me. I got to do that teaching on the shield of faith. Okay, you don't want to miss that one. Okay, you've got to build yourself up. Go find out what the scriptures say. Why? Because most likely at some point in time, some doctor, well-meaning, is going to say to you, nothing we can do about this. And then you're going to get hit in the face if you're not ready. You listening to me? Now, some of you may have people in your life that are sick. You may have been coming to this series because you have people in your life that have been sick. Go and take what you've learned and share it with them. Offer to pray for them. Offer to, but, but they're not saved. Everybody that Jesus healed wasn't saved. Do you realize that? Not one person that Jesus healed was saved. They were all, nobody could get saved yet. Are you getting this? You have the tools. Go bring this to those that are sick. Find the scriptures. Pray the word over them. Lay hands on them. Uh, if you really want to get fancy, anoint them with oil, okay? Some people like that, all right? Just do whatever it takes to minister healing. Why? Because Jesus' ministry was what? Let's do it again. What did he tell the church to do? If we're not doing that, we're not fulfilling the Great Commission. Most of us have been raised to think that the Great Commission is only telling them about salvation. That's Matthew chapter 28. But in Mark chapter 15, along with preaching the gospel for salvation, he said, they shall lay hands on the sick and they they'll recover. And they shall recover. Who's going to lay hands on them? You're the church, right? Yes. That command was for the church, not just for certain few. Are you getting this? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. All right, so then from now on, from this point forward then, we should start hearing reports. Yes. Pastor, I was in a supermarket. The Lord put it on my heart to pray for this person. I saw them with crutches. I saw them in a wheelchair, whatever. Okay, just be led by the Spirit. And listen, oh God, make sure your heart's right with this kind of stuff. I've seen too many people through the years they wanted to lay hands on the person and do something spectacular, not because they wanted to see the person heal, so that they can go back and brag. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. Keep your heart right. Keep your heart pure. Keep, keep your heart right and keep your heart pure. Okay, we're not in this for us. It's not about us. Are you listening to me? It's about God using us to reach somebody just like God used somebody to reach you. Are you listening to me? Okay, listen, if you have any questions or anything, please email me. If you want the notes, I'll send you the notes from the entire series, whatever you want to do. Um, I want us, I really want us empowered in this. Amen.